bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Cosmic Queries edition, which is becoming quite the fan favorite. And you know I don't do this alone. I need help. Help me, Chuck! <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yes, I'm here, but you don't need help. But I'm, I'm always here. <laughs> so. Okay, you give me uh, spiritual help. Exactly. Uh, there, there you go. Right, because I'm certainly not helping to answer the questions, that's for sure. <laughs> So this one is is a sort of a fan appreciation episode. Yeah. Where um, I think it's primarily Patreon questions. All Patreon. These, these, these are our supporters. I think, you know, you're not just a patron. I think that's why the, the word is different. You know, when you're a patron, you just hand money and, and right. charity. But Patreon, there's actually sort of a, uh, what do you call it, a, a contract <laughs> between yeah. the money you give and what happens next. Yeah. And, so, and, and there's a scale... Uh, with higher and higher rewards for it, so yeah. uh, so that's so we're trying to just encourage that because it allows us to experiment those those funds right and, and do yeah, things we... that are not yet tested in the marketplace and that but but we think it will work and then we get to test it and then it works and we go on to something else so yeah. you give so us, Chuck, you, you get, they're giving us the opportunity to fail with with our <laughs> consequence. <laughs> That's basically. I, I, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's what they're doing. It's like, thank you for giving us the opportunity to fail, and we don't have to worry about it. We can, you know, but you know, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, those who are the only people who no longer make mistakes are those who are no longer on the frontier of inquiry. Ooh, did you just think that up? That's really good. Oh no, you're gonna write it down. What I did am you writing this down? <laughs> Like, that's good. I'm just saying. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, mistakes are evidence that you're exploring. They're not evidence of your failure. So I have right. to agree with you. Yeah, cool, yeah. man. Yeah, cool. We have to change our attitude. Toward... By the way, if you make the same mistake twice, no excuse. That's a different story. <laughs> that's a different That's story. a whole new ball game now. That's a different, that's a different show. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. so, what, so you collected all the questions. So what do you have for me? Yeah, so but first we're going to try something different. Because speaking of Patreon, we have... Some patrons that do a yeoman's job of supporting us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. And by that, I mean they, 
They drop some coin. Drop some coin. They okay. drop some coin, and so you know we like to reward them um, especially. And okay. so um, uh, Joel Cherico um, is going to lead us off with a video question. Because well, well, this is like like in Jeopardy, have the video daily double. Yeah, you know, I forgot about that. That's yeah. right. It's oh, the but video. just a little moment of silence for Alex Trebek. Oh God, yeah, yes. yeah, host of Jeopardy for what yeah. thirty six years. What an incredible career he had. Yeah, and I've and been. A, I was never a contestant, but I was multiple times on the board, either d- delivering clues or my name was like a clue. Right. So I, f- I feel genetically connected in my own little way. Well, you know, and of course, there's a big buzz uh, in the Twitterverse interwebs that you should be the host. Oh yeah, but I, I, I'm flattered. I'm flattered, but I got I got a I got a day job. I got a job. Yeah, <laughs> I got a day job. Hey, man. I'm very, I'm indeed flattered by, by the way, I think I could do a good job, but it's not, it's not my life's goal. It's not my, it's not here's my, my impression of you as the host of Jeopardy. Okay. And so they give the answer, mm-hmm. and then the person uh, chimes in, and then you go, I'm sorry, uh, the question we have there isn't quite right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, judges. Yeah, judges. we need a, judges for the judges, right? Do we need it's a like... judge for the judge because I'm pretty sure that that question isn't exactly right. I yeah, mean, they, te- they messed that one up. Right, technically, maybe, but no. But yeah. So anyway, <laughs> all right. So let's let's uh, kick things off with our. Oh, video by the way, question. just Go just a, another quick thing. There are people. Uh, when I went to college, there was someone who had like a very high IQ who mm-hmm. lived in my dorm. And his IQ was so high that it couldn't be measured by normal tests. So they had to create a special test for him. Wow. And then he was a consultant to people who write IQ tests for how to test people at very, this is while he was in college. He was a consultant to test writers to test people at very, very high IQ. Wow. And so, so it's weird. So it's its own thing, it's its own universe, this, this IQ thing. That's insane. And, yeah, yeah. And so what he was wondering was whether IQ correlated with your performance in school only to a certain point. Right. That a higher IQ would get you lower grades. And so I asked, well, what's what's going on there? He said, oh, because beyond a certain IQ, you are smarter than anyone asking the question. And so you will see answers that they do not yet see. And then you'll be marked wrong. Makes sense. So I thought that was an interesting, uh, an interesting fact. Now that I'm not claiming a very high IQ, but this happened to me a couple of times in school when I was in kindergarten. Okay, and I made a crayon drawing of the night of the universe. No, of the universe. <laughs> it was the sky. Right. Okay, exactly. It's right, yeah. Earth, and then the, the sky. And I used my black crayon and totally wore it out, put in some stars in it. And the teacher said, uh, "No, no, the the night sky is dark blue." And I'm thinking, no, this no. is like, why would it? No, it's like, no. <laughs> but but I'm like six or five or something. And so later on, the teacher went home, did research, and came back and said, no, you're right. The the nighttime sky is black. Right. And so that's what happened there. And 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 so when she said it's dark blue was your answer. So do you have eyes? <laughs> no, I'm five, okay? It's like a full grown-up teacher. Uh, and it happened again. There was a, there was a question on the uh, physics regents, I think it was, where in New York State we take a regents. Right. So there's a question, uh, if you have a projectile, 
this is basic physics, um, what shape best represents that path, mm -hmm. okay? And so you have, like, um, parabola, you know, a circle, ellipse, whatever. Okay. And the answer they're looking for is parabola. Right. Right. If you do the math, it, it's a parabola. However, wow. however, if it's not actually a parabola, okay. it's close to a parabola, but if you removed Earth or scrunched Earth down to only its center, right, that path would continue and orbit the Earth and come back into that segment. So, in fact, it's a segment sure. of an ellipse. Right. More than it's a segment of a parabola. But it's taught parabola because a par parabola equation is way easier to calculate with than an ellipse. So, it's, so again, just because you wrote the question and you're testing other people's knowledge doesn't mean you know enough knowledge to test people who know more than you do. That's all I'm saying. All right. Hey, listen, that's good. Well, now we're going to test your knowledge because <laughs> we got a bunch of questions that right. have been written. Bring it on. The video, <laughs> Daily Double. Chuck, what, what's behind? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Universe for 1,000. Go. Hey, Star Talk. Hey, Neil. Thanks for, thanks for the chance to ask some questions. Uh, so I'm an artist. I make pottery, uh, some of it inspired by the cosmos. And most of the pots uh, have a, a spiral in them somewhere because I just, I think they look really cool. So my question is very simple. Why are there so many spirals in nature? Mm. Interesting. Oh, cool. And not just the universe, in nature, period. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, this, this is Joel, right? Okay, Joel. so I recognize him. He came, I don't know who this guy is, okay? Because uh -huh. I, th I, th I got right here one of his creations, okay? This is a moon coffee mug. Right. What do you think of that? And the, the problem is, every time I taste it, I taste a bit of basalt. <laughs> <laughs> Why is or, this? Why is this coffee so gritty? No, no, I, I, each one is unique, and I'm, I'm very impressed with just the artisanry of it. Um, but yeah, I, he, he gave me a set of these. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're all around my office. You know, funny thing is that he sent me one. As you can we see. We got one too? Okay, cool. Yes. And he told me in the note that he sent me that he had made several for you. And I uh, realized that he sent me one without a handle. I just looked at yours. <laughs> right. Okay. So yours has a handle and clearly, you know... Uh, mine is meant yeah, to... You know, Chuck is just so ungrateful. Joel, I apologize for Chuck. The man... <laughs> and Joel, I apologize for you. Send me a handleless mug. Thank you. Which I didn't even realize. I was like, well, maybe all of his mugs have no handle. <laughs> maybe this is the way he... Met. He, he, he In fact, mine has a little place where your thumb goes. I don't, uh, right on the top of the handle. There's a look at that. Place where the thumb goes, and not only is your not only do you have a handle, but it's ergonomic on it's top of that. <laughs> and mine is just like, well, Chuck, I hope you don't burn your hands. Okay, but, all right. So here's ahead. here's what's going on in there. Spirals. I'll, my, I'll do my best to give an answer to this. So, um, here's what happens: if anything goes around in circles, mm -hmm. okay, you get a circle. All right, fine. If, however, while you were going around in circles, you move in any direction perpendicular to the circle, mm -hmm. it's no longer a circle. It's a spiral. That's right. 
so the circle gets distorted to move through time in such a way that you get a spiral, like a spiral staircase or a spiral anything. Right. So I was in one of the redwood forests when we were filming Cosmos. And I was nice. intrigued. But first, in the city, New York, we don't have big trees like that. So everything about this forest is completely alien to me. So I'm, I'm examining it like I'm on an alien planet because I've never seen anything like this. So, so I noticed that the tree bark on many of the trees has, is striated in this sort of very, very sort of high-pitched spiral going up the tree. And every tree did this. And they all did it in the same direction. And I thought, what is asymmetric in the physiology? Can I use that word as applied to plants? Sure. Yeah, in the physiology of a tree, that there's this spiraling going on. If I don't know about the rest of the plant, but it's certainly happening in the bark. So I was just intrigued by that. But of course, the tree grows upwards. So whatever is otherwise happening in the tree, if, it's, if there's any kind of sap movement or whatever else is going on, and I don't know, I have no expertise in plants, I'm just saying, combine something that wants to go in a circle and have it move upwards, you get a spiral. Wow. Now, now that's a, spi a three-dimensional spiral. Now we have spiral galaxies, which is flat. That's a spiral in a flat shape. And uh, you get that because the inner parts of the galaxy finish a loop faster than That's the outer parts, parts of the galaxy. So if you have some system like stars forming in gas clouds, that'll get stretched, okay? And a current understanding of galaxies is that there's a, wa a, 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 a wave of pressure inside that galaxy, it's called a density wave, that is moving through the galaxy through the gas cloud. And that density wave is being stretched by the rotation of the galaxy itself. itself. And where that density wave is hitting the gas, you get the formation of stars. So again, you have an action happening combined with a rotation, and, and that rotation is not as a, as a solid object, and there you have it. So, um, by the way, plenty of stuff is not spiral. We have elliptical galaxies, there's no spiral things right. in them at all. Mm -hmm. you know? But if you're gonna spin, watch for some spiral action. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, thanks, mm -hmm. Joel. Mm -hmm. And thank you for, uh, once again, the handleless cup. <laughs> try and try to get the basalt out of the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank, you for our, thank you for my gritty morning coffee. For, for my volcanic... That, that burns my hands. <laughs> 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 All right. All right, cool. Let's uh, move on to... I'm going to combine two questions together now. This is Rudd van der Linden uh, or Rude. There's one or the other. Say the Rudd or Rude. I'm imagining his parents didn't name him Rude. I'm just thinking. At, that could, you know. Well, how, do you spell the, how, do you, how do you spell the first name? R U U D. Rude. 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 Yeah. Rude, Rude okay. van der Linden. All right. Sounds like Rude to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rude. And Rude, by the way, is kind of cool. You know? It is kind of cool. Rude. You know, a, I'm Rude. <laughs> I'm Rude. No, you're very polite. No, I am Rude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's his, Rude, what's his question? Rude says this. Hey, guys, sad news about the uh, Arecibo radio telescope collapsing on itself. 
Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I was able to visit it before the collapse and before Katrina. I was wondering, does Neil have any personal stories about the observatory? And what was, according to Neil, the most important discovery that was made with the telescope itself? Thanks, Rude. Now, let me follow that up with Christine Hale, who says, Hi, Dr. Neil. Just wondering how the loss of the Arecibo telescope will affect our scouring of the heavens for possible alien communication or life. So I figured I'd just combine the two. Well, one, because yeah. one is... You know, what's your personal connection to it? Right. And Plus, we don't we don't normally do current events on in Q and A, so this no. is good. We'll, yeah, we'll get is. to that after this break. Oh, see what I did there? <laughs> Got we're me. Doing, we're doing cosmic queries. Uh, this is a, a fan appreciation edition. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Chuck Nice with me. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of Star Talk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back. The special Cosmic Queries Fan Appreciation Edition. Now, Chuck, I don't quite know what's different between this Cosmic Queries and others for us to call this fan appreciation. Well, everybody's from Patreon. so Everyone's from Patreon. Oh, okay, for yeah. sure. 
And we, there are even some video questions we're taking and, in, so, yeah. that, so that works. So you left off. To give me the two names of those okay, who asked so it's about Ruth Vanderlinden and Charlene Hale. And Ruth wants to know your personal stories or connections to the Arecibo uh, radio telescope uh, uh, because, of course, it collapsed recently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Charlene uh, would like to know will it have an effect? on how we scour the heavens uh, for possible alien communication or life. Yeah, so the Arecibo Telescope was the largest telescope in the world for decades. Right. Okay, ever since it was built until back in the 50s or 60s. uh, No, no, when was it built? I think 1960s until uh, just a few years ago. It was the largest telescope in the world. And in telescopes, in astronomy in general, bigger equals better. Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to collect rain outside that's coming down, imagine the rain or just photons. Photons, from, right. okay. And you want to collect it, you can use a thimble, you can use a bucket, you right. can use a cauldron, or a swimming pool. Or a swimming pool. You use the swimming pool, you get the most amount of uh, raindrops. So right. it's that simple. It's not more complicated than that. So bigger equals better. So as it, since it's a radio telescope, it listens. It it, it it observes radio waves. And pulsars gives off radio, rapidly rotating neutron stars gives off radio waves. Um, it can also detect things happening in our ionosphere, right? This is a part in the upper atmosphere that's electrically charged, mm-hmm. right? And old-timers will know that you could get AM radio from very distant cities late at night. And the reason why you could do that is AM radio waves— once they were broadcast by the antenna, would reflect off the bottom of the ionosphere and be able to cover more than the curvature of the Earth that you could see from your, where your, your radio was. Wow. Whereas FM goes straight out into space. Right. So if you want FM across multiple cities, you need repeaters and all sorts of other things. You need all manner of, of ways to get that signal into other places. Now, of course, it's everything's cable-driven and satellite-driven. I'm just talking about in the day. Right. So it could observe phenomenon going on in the ionosphere. In fact, the funding originally for Arecibo was enabled by the U.S. military to detect the signature of decoy intercontinental ballistic missiles as they re-entered the atmosphere through the the ionosphere as launched by Russia. What? This is how, okay, so don't get me started. Is that sensitive? Listen, this is, don't get me started on, well, you can, but not in this moment. Okay. On the two-way street between astrophysics, my field and my people, and the military. Oh, man, we got to do an explainer on that. We are all, my people, we're all generally sort of liberal, anti-war, this sort of thing. But But at the end of the day, the stuff that we care about, the military cares about stuff. The military cares about we care about. So we have strongly overlapping Venn diagrams in what we do and what we invent and what we innovate. So anyhow, so the money for that telescope was driven by the U.S. military, and we knew all along we could piggyback that fact and make all manner of other discoveries. So it also gets us. It, it does a radio echo echoing. So what the telescope could also do better than any other telescope, was send a signal back out to space, okay? Uh, Because you think of telescopes as just receiving. Right. But what you can do is take a signal, send it from where the location of the receiver, bounce it back off the telescope, and send it somewhere in space that you designate. Wow. Okay? So there are asteroids 
which are too small to really carefully track using optical regular telescopes. So what you can do is take a radio signal, send it out, beam it back out to space to an asteroid, and that then the reflected signal comes back to you, you time it, you get the distance, distance. to that asteroid. And when you get the distance and you know which way it's going, you get its orbit. And you need, you, you want to know what those orbits are for asteroids that cross Earth's orbit because they will eventually 100% hit Earth. So it's like an echolocator for... Echolocator. You, not, not with sound, of course. Not with echo sound, sound but, but, but still. But, but with, with radio waves uh, bouncing off and coming back. And so amazing. this is uh, so a highly useful telescope in that regard. Now, Damn. all right, several years ago, okay, um, China says we're, we're going to have the biggest telescope in the world. And so they went up and built a bigger telescope, twice the collecting area of the Arecibo telescope. Twice? Twice. Twice. Around twice. I, I forgot the exact math, but it's about twice. And China. That's okay. the deal with China. <laughs> China, China. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to tell you about China. China. <laughs> so... so They're killing us. They're, they're killing us. They're killing us. They're killing us. So... So they, too, found a natural crater in the Earth, as we found for the Arecibo telescope, and built the largest radio dish in the world. And it has an acronym. It's called FAST, the 500-meter aperture um, spherical telescope. So its shape is a spherical. It's, right. it's, it's the geometry of it. No, anyway, good for them. So I visited that. We, we, we shot some scenes there for Cosmos. For a whole episode. Neil deGrasse Tyson, communist. <laughs> communist got to China. <laughs> <laughs> the communists. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. So you you got to see it? Okay, yes, yeah, so I was there. So it's a mile in circumference. Wow. All right, if you walked around the upright. Anyhow, here's my point. Uh, the question was, do I have any relation? Yes, I do. My mother, my mother... Uh, while she's born in New York City, her parents are from Puerto Rico. And in fact, her grandparents are from Arecibo, Puerto Rico. Oh, cool. So we have genetic connection back to the town that's the nearest town to that telescope. Wow. On the island of Puerto Rico. And so that's the first connection. Second, we would go visit relatives, you know, every Christmas. And, uh, you know, Christmas in Puerto Rico, that's a whole thing. Yeah. That's a whole... By the way, at midnight... You're there usually through New Year's. At midnight, there's a tradition you eat grapes, one per, 12 grapes, one per um, a tone of the clock. Right. Okay. And one year they got grapes, but the grapes had seeds in them. <laughs> so oh. I was like, <laughs> okay. that's rough. <laughs> you know, and, and I was like eight or something. It's like, what do I do with the seeds? No, eat another grape quick. You got to do <laughs> one per, one per, one per stroke chime. of the, per chime. Anyhow, so, so my point is, um, the, oh, so the telescope will, will be missed in that regard. But it was falling out of disrepair. We've known this for about a decade. The, the National Science Funding, uh, Foundation started withdrawing money for support for it, so that means your maintenance doesn't work out. No one writes the article about the drop in those funds. They wait until the damn detector falls out of the sky, and then they talk about it as a tragedy. It was a tragedy that had tap roots that goes back a decade. Okay? Wow. So for me, this plight of the Arecibo telescope is metaphor for science in America. 
Excellent. You know, at first, you, the funding drops, it goes out of disrepair, mm. and then a few things break, putting the rest of the structure at stress points. Because an engineering design system, if you start taking out support struts, then the rest of it, it, it can't, it, it's designed to be complete. If you start yanking out pieces of it because it broke and you don't repair it, then that's the beginning of the end. <clears throat> yeah. Which, in fact, it was. The beginning of the end, and now the, 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 the detector falls down out of the sky, and uh, it's the end of an era. And so now, if aliens going to talk to humans by sending radio signals... Uh, they're they're going to be speaking Chinese. <laughs> the Chinese will be the first to have that conversation with aliens. Now, wow. so I'm, as an American, we're an American, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm upset that we can't lead that effort. Right. But as a scientist, I know that if you if your country becomes short-sighted in terms of their investments, the science can and will still get done. It happened with the superconducting super collider that we were going to build in Texas. Funding began. Then it all got cut to zero. No, but sir. Europe said, we'll build one. So right. Europe built at the, the, the European Center for Nuclear Research, CERN. Um, they have this, the, the Large Hadron Collider, and they just... They discovered the Higgs boson, the God particle. They discovered wow. new frontiers in particle physics at CERN, and we didn't, okay? Science doesn't care what your nationality is. All that matters is who, it, who, who is offering you enlightened leadership and enlightened governance if you want to be on that frontier. Otherwise, you will dance to the tune played by others who have made those investments in the future of this civilization. Wow. Man, that was good. Well, I'm sorry, that's I, a long answer to that. No, it's a long yeah. answer, but I got to tell you the um, the message at the end of that answer. You can't. It, it's all worth it. Yeah, I'm worth just, the I'm price just of admission. Saying, I'm just Gosh. saying. Okay. All right. All right. I think all right, we give me some uh, more. Let's do another video from Joel Cherico. Joel has two videos. Okay, this, Joel, this is, I'm going to surprise you. Has more than two videos. Joel <laughs> Cherico, and so yeah, he does Cherico pottery. That's is, right. Is the, and yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Joel's a big supporter on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, by the way, while I was drinking my coffee, an alien cl climbed out of the, <laughs> the moon mug. Joel, can you lose the aliens? All right. When you, okay, go on. All right, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's, let's hear from Joel. Another question for you. So science and technology are replacing a lot of the things that we used to make with our hands. Um, they're being made by machines. So my question is, could a machine ever make art? Mm. Mm. What, so that's, I wonder, that's, that's wonder why he asked that. That's a scared artist right there. Yeah. <laughs> and you're next, Chuck. Can exactly. a, machi can can a machine machines tell a joke? really tell jokes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I had a conversation with the, one of those rolling robots once, you know, at a party. Yeah. And, and they sounded really smart, so I said... Uh, you, you sound really smart. Like, where'd you go to school? And he said, oh, Solid State University. <laughs> that was bad. good. That's not bad. That's, that's, not, that's not a I'm bad joke. I'm going to kill that robot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think machines, uh, so, so for me, let me offer my definition of art. Art is um, reality through the lens of someone with imagination, which upon being shared with you, allow you to see the world not only with fresh eyes but with a perspective that can enhance 
the beauty of your life and the life of others. Okay. okay? That's what I think of. So, and by the way, art capital A. Sculptures, screenwriters, right, set doesn't designers. Make a difference. Yeah, all, all of art. So, can a computer do art? I think computers, as if they're programmed by you to just do something that's already known to do, mm -hmm. no, it's not going to do art. Or it'll duplicate somebody else's art, right. right? That's not art. That's just forgery, right? So, so art, for me, has got to come from a creative place that no good art has to come from a creative place that has not yet been tapped by anyone else if you're going to advance the world of art, right? So, so for a computer to do that, it has to be full-up genuine artificial intelligence. Yeah, it would have to be basically human. Yeah, it would have to be, exactly. exactly. It would it'd have, to be, uh, it'd have to have the exact same... I would say neurological capabilities that we do. Because well, it wouldn't have to be the same. It would just have to be have the capacity to have a thought that was never had before. Right. Yeah. That, exactly. Not whether same, or not it's the it's, same thought we have. We, right. It would just have to be an original thought. An original thought. Right. That's right. Because and, I mean, think about it. So you look at like just take Monet for a, or any of the impressionists. Right. I don't know who the first impressionist was, but he was probably nearsighted. <laughs> 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 Someone go back through time and say, exactly. hey, put one of these on. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, wait a minute. So that's how this stuff really looks. And he's just painting everything in great detail. <laughs> so just, you could you could you hand this thing to whoever that was, that would destroy right, an entire destroy movement. <laughs> be like, wait a minute. So, oh, that's how stuff really looks. <laughs> So it, but it was either that he was nearsighted, or he was like, "Why can't? Why wouldn't I see? Why couldn't I see the world in this gauzy, like perspective?" Like but what surely contributed to that was right. the arrival of photography. Absolutely, okay? these are coincident Coinc in time, right? Absolutely. Right, because photography is not now. I can capture reality. Basically, exactly as reality as is. is. I don't need you to paint a portrait of me to capture the reality of me. Absolutely. Now, if you're going to paint a portrait, okay, give me three eyeballs on one side or whatever Picasso <laughs> did. <laughs> Do something different and imaginative because if I want exactly me, I'll just take a photo. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's really cool. Well, right. So, yeah, I think that's the kind of computer you need. And the day that happens, you know, we'll just become their pets. Because I was going to say, do we're all screwed. Yeah. <laughs> When that happens, it's a wrap. It's a wrap on us all, okay? Okay, do you know how we created, do you know how we domesticated uh, cats and dogs? I uh, know. By killing the ones that bit us. Oh, God, okay? that's, so, that's awesome. So you have a litter, all right, and some are really nice and cuddly, and you pet them, and they purr, and they do that, whatever, and then another one's like scratching and hawing at you, dead. Kill that one. Kill that one. That, right. that, that And so you would selectively... Right. Editing the gene pool <laughs> of these creatures for their temperament, and so now you went from a wolf to uh, a, a a a poodle, right? Or a right. or what's the, the Pomeranian, you know, or a Yorkie, right. a lap dog, right? So um, the point is, it, the the day AI becomes our overlord, um, it would. You just want to be nice to them so you right. can become their pets. Otherwise, exactly. they're going don't, to... Don't, <laughs> don't be the human who kicks and fights. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Don't be that human. Your, your ass is gone. <laughs> right. Because you will not outsmart the AI. Yeah. Because they're designed to be smart, as smart or smarter than anything we ever will be. In the same way we, we program computers to be better at us at chess. Okay, computer beat Kasparov, for goodness sake, all right? A computer beat the best Jeopardy champion. So we're already kind of, no, there's certain things they're better at us. That, but if they start running things, okay, yeah, just learn how to purr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, we got to take another quick break. And when we come back, more uh, Cosmic Queries uh, Fan Appreciation Edition when Star Talk returns. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Hey, we'd like to give a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons, Corey Farnham, Patty Weber, and Vergard Jertsen. Guys, thank you so much for your gravity assist as we make our way through the cosmos. Without you, we couldn't do this show. And for those of you who would like your very own Patreon shout-out, please go to patreon.com slash starttalkradio and support us. <laughs> We're back. Star Talk Cosmic Queries, Fan Appreciation Edition. Chuck, hey, hey. spending all this time just blathering. You know, let's we gotta get to more questions. Okay, we'll. Get I gotta to stop more this. I gotta. I gotta. No, I you always say it, but it's it's good. It's no, good. no, no, no. Okay. Let me tell uh, what, you, it's. I mean, if you went to the bank, right, and you said I'd like to withdraw a hundred dollars, and the bank manager comes out and says, "Oh, hi, Doctor Tyson. By the way." Today is Dr. Tyson Appreciation Day. Now, in addition to your $100, here are, and he counted out by ones, another $100. Okay. Would you say, bro, what are you doing? Right? I'm in a hurry. Okay, okay. I got to get out of here. I got to go. All right. right. No, you'd let him count out the $100 in ones. And you'd then you take, take it, it. And you say, thank you very much. And that 100 was not out of your account. It That's was right. Out of, so it's, it's, the bank. 
Bank so decision in your favor. Okay. So it's new, all new Monopoly gravy. card. All right. It's all gravy. Well, thank all you right, for the bank analogy. <laughs> there you go. Let's go to uh, Tracy Scrubbit, who says, uh, uh, Dr. Tyson, what do you consider to be the most persistent belief in physics or astronomy, which has already been disproven, but that is still perpetuated in popular culture and or schools? Oh, wow. What a great question. Okay, yes, yeah, so like a multi-part thing going on there. Okay, yeah. so um, the concept of belief, I, I prefer to use that word for when you think something is true in the absence of evidence. So mm -hmm. um, belief doesn't have much currency in the sciences. What happens is I have some marginal evidence that something might be true. So I can say I believe it's true, but I, it's not. I have this much evidence to say it's true. What does your evidence say? My evidence says there's the opposite of that. So the third person comes and says, no, what I found is there's a hybrid of those two things that you're saying, and this is the real truth. And then a fourth person says, I agree with that third person. And a fifth person says, I agree with that third person. And you assemble information and data and observation so that there's an emergent objective truth. Right. So it's not like we're all saying, oh, let's just believe this is true and get on with life. No, that's not quite the, the, the mechanism of what's going on here. So what you really want to know, is there anything that we long thought would be true, turn out to not be true, but the public still believes? Um, I... Yeah. No, the public believes stuff that we always knew was never true. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, no, spaceships don't make sound in space, okay? Right. So, so Star Wars would be silent movie, all right? So uh, that's one that we always knew was not true, and the public doesn't seem to get it. Um, we knew the world was round uh, in ancient Greece. Forget this Columbus stuff where people thought, no, the educated people knew Earth was round. Um, ancient Greece, they knew Earth was round. You know how they knew Earth was round? Because lunar eclipses, okay, where Earth's shadow is cast onto the full moon, always made a curved shadow, okay? And the, the shadow was a, a, a circular shadow. And the only shape object that will always make a circular shadow sphere. is a sphere, no sphere. matter what angle the light comes from. That's right. So the, the ancient Greeks were clever people, and they recognized this, and they saw that it would be at different angles, and they always got that 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 uh, a circular shadow on the thing. And the only way you can get a circle is if we are a sphere. So, so it's been known for a thousand years. Yet there are emergent people today who are certain Earth is flat. So I, I so no, there's nothing that we have carried with us that is yet to be confirmed, or has been confirmed in in the negative. <laughs> that the public still believes, not in physics. You get some of that in medicine, okay? Right. Always. Oh, oh my Always. gosh. Oh, this is chicken soup. This will exactly. cure you right. in, in, in six days. Right. Okay? Ginkgo biloba. <clears throat> okay, so, something. you know, my favorite is the chicken soup one. So, the way it goes is, uh, there's no better cure than grandma's chicken soup, okay? And with uh, that and other good traditional cures, will make you better in a week. Right. But but without them, your cold will linger for seven days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Right. So if you look at sort of uh, the, what they used to call old um, um, wives' tales, they used to call it that. I don't know how it even got that term. But just 
things that lore handed down. Another one is if I if I roll you in front of the window and the window's open and it's cold air, you'll catch pneumonia. Right. Okay. I heard that from my grandmother. And I'm thinking, why would you catch them? Is there like pneumonia sitting outside the window ready to come in only when it's cold outside? Like what is what? And I never believed it, but I heard it. Okay. I watch movies, you know, go to TCM movies, black and white movies from the 1940s and 50s. It is all throughout the movies. Okay. There's a window, Hitchcock, you'll catch your death of cold. There's a Hitchcock movie where somebody's trying to kill somebody who's wheelchair bound and rolls him in front of a window, opens the window in the winter, and then leaves them there, and they catch the death of cold and die. This is, and, but today you don't ha, you don't see that in storytelling. So right. that must have gotten through. Right. Yeah. It must have. Okay. Gotten through that. No, that's no longer the case. Okay. I was told by my grandmother, wear your slippers, otherwise you'll catch a death of cold at night. And then how am I going to catch a cold through the bottom of my feet? You know, I, you know, I have calluses. <laughs> yeah. if, if a cold gets through the calluses in the bottom of my feet, give it to him. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think in other professions, physics, not so much. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's cool. Keep it going. All right. Let's keep it going. This is Timothy L. Johnson. Timothy says, Chuck, you can pronounce my name, I promise. <laughs> Oh. Timothy well, Johnson. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Timothy. Johansson. Johansson. Then he says, Dr. Tyson, I wanted to pick your brain. In your opinion, what is the most fascinating thing that we have discovered in our known universe? And how many ways could it kill you? Ah. <laughs> I think nothing beats black holes. There you go. And a black hole kill you a hundred different ways. There you go. Okay. So uh, the first discovered black hole was, um, it was an, a, a source of X-rays and ultraviolet light in the constellation Scorpius. No, it might have been Cygnus. No, the first one was in Cygnus, the constellation Cygnus. Mm-hmm. And you have a, uh, when you have a black hole and material getting flayed off of a star in orbit. Around it, that material falling in radiates copiously before it enters the abyss. And so we knew that. You calculated this is the signature a black hole would give us as matter falls in. And so you look for those in the sky. So now the catalog, we have no end of cataloged black holes. So it's definitely black holes. And they've captured our imagination in movies, in storytelling, Disney had a movie, The Black Hole, back in the 70s. I think they're redoing it. Um, So, yeah, it's got to be black holes. And my favorite way to die is falling into a black hole. Mm. I don't want to get hit by a bus. I don't want to die in a thing. Put me, throw me into a black hole. Good for you. Mine is sleep. (laughs) In sleep. Yeah, I'm going to go with sleep. You're going with sleep. That's what I'm going In your sleep. Yeah. I'm going to say that's my favorite way. No, no, no. Why not be part of an experiment while you're doing this? Because I don't want to be there at all because <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> I'm, I'm told, I haven't heard this verified, that during the French Revolution with cutting off everybody's heads, right. if you know you're going to die that way, why not participate in some science experiments, right? So, for example, your eyes connect directly to your brain and they don't need the rest of your body. Right. Okay? You can stop your heart briefly and you're still kind of alive while that's happening. So cut off your head, go to the rolling head right before it completely dies and ask, because your ears are still connected. What do um, you see? If, uh, yeah, how many fingers do you see? One or two, and you blink. <laughs> how, how many? So I'm told, <laughs> I didn't have this verified, that there was still some brief brain activity right after. You did an experiment. Okay? 
Okay. Why waste a guillotined head when you could... <laughs> uh, so if I, if I got to die, throw me in a black hole. I'll give you all the data you want. There you go. All right. Oh, God, I'm going to get a T-shirt. Science, why waste a guillotine head? <laughs> uh, uh, we got to get it. Oh, that's so great. No, by the okay. way, I, I mean, in all seriousness, there was um, the there was a prisoner who voluntarily donated his body to be micro-sliced. Okay? Do you know how you do this? Okay. Yeah. So the, Oh, no, this is a prisoner who was on death row. Okay? Voluntarily did this. Said, yes, give my body to medicine. So they do that. Then you, like, mostly freeze the body. And then you just start taking slices. All right. So ideally, you'd have three bodies to do this with. One you'd slice this way. Right. One you slice this way. You know, top to bottom, left to right, and then front to back. Then you'd have thin, transparent slices of the human body that you could compare to MRI images of the three-dimensional cross-section of the body. Nice. So I, yeah. I own a book that is this sliced uh, prisoner who was on death row. And if you're a cannibal, it makes for a lovely carpaccio. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Slice human. That's great. <laughs> or you fry it. You get uh, human chips. Yes. Right? It's like cutting potatoes thin. All right. Let's see. Let's go with... I hope kids He's, aren't listening to this show. Are we well, PG-13? I think we're PG-13. Uh, listen, we're, it's, we're talking nutrition, that's all. Uh, Isam Kabas says, okay. Hey, Neil. Hey, Chuck. My question is about the elasticity of, the, of, of expansion of space. Mm. Space is expanding in all directions, and everything is moving away from everything else. Why isn't the space within our own solar system expanding? Why doesn't the expansion of space destabilize orbits. Why doesn't the expansion stretch the space currently occupied by the Earth and in turn stretch us? This person's clearly lost some sleep. On this one. <laughs> if you got 10 questions that just just that vomit out out of one idea. His question are... was like a little Russian nesting doll. Of <laughs> yes, that's right. So excellent question. So here's what's going on. The stretching of the fabric of space and time from the expansion of the universe, okay, um, is at all times competing against gravity that would prevent it, okay? On the largest scale, it is winning. On the smallest scales, it's not. The sun has a good grip on the planets, and the urge for space to stretch within the confines of the solar system is not higher than the success of the sun keeping everybody in orbit. Wow. However, in the dark energy future scenario of the universe, where the universe will continue to expand and accelerate in its expansion, the expansion will become more and more significant in places where it didn't previously have a stronghold. And yes, eventually, that extreme future universe where you have exponential expansion will start ripping apart solar systems. Yes, the sun will no longer be able to hold onto it against the stretching of space between the sun and the earth and the rest of the planets. Then... It'll start, now, electromagnetic forces are stronger than gravitational forces. So what's holding Earth together is stronger than the sun's gravity on the Earth. So the Earth will struggle and hold on until it will break apart. And this will continue until there's some of us worried 
about the big rip. Mm. And this will take place when it tries to stretch the very quantum realm that is the tiniest representation of the fabric of space and time there is. Because that, we don't think, is stretchable at all. And if you get into that realm, you have overcome even the quantum realm, and we think space will just rip, and we don't know what that'll look like, and it's kind of scary. And in fact, Star Talk has another book coming out. Do you know this? In the spring? I did not. Okay? Spring 2021. It's, you know what that book is called? The Big Cosmic. Rip? <laughs> it's called Cosmic. I shouldn't be announcing it yet because I don't think it's on shelves yet because they're, they're still in production. So don't, don't look for it yet. Okay, but it's called Cosmic Queries. Nice. Ah, and in there is the whole discussion about the expansion of the universe and how it could, in one scenario, could end up in the big rip. And which case, all of the nesting doll scenarios described by, um, what's the person's name again? Isam. Uh, Isam, uh, will, will be realized. And that'll be the end of the universe as we know it. There you go. Have Isam. a nice day. Yes. Have okay. a great day. The big rip. He who smelt it dealt it. There you go. <laughs> so we got time for one more question, Chuck. Well, that means we got to go to our last video question from Joel Jericho. Joel gets three questions? Yes, sir. He does. Dude, he must be giving us a lot of money. Oh, my God. Yes, sir. He is. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. No, we're not that crass, but we, we like to joke about it, but no, exactly. we're very loving. Okay, what, so what does he get? Here it is. Another question. So there are some scientists in history who were also interested in art as part of their process. Like Albert Einstein had his violin right next to his desk where he would do his math problems. And when he'd get stuck on a math problem, he would take a break and play the violin. So as a scientist, are there any parts of your process that involve doing anything artistic, anything non that's that's not just doing science that helps you with your own scientific problems or ideas? Excellent mm, question. Interesting. Mm, mm, mm. So let me. Uh, wow, this. I don't know if we have time for me to give the full answer that that question deserves. Let me let me go quick and briefly. So the art science relationship is not an equal two way street. Okay, there uh -oh. are discoveries in science that directly impact how the artist does art. True. Okay, from so, from the uh, computer from everything to everything. Well, yeah, yeah. So computer visualization in movies exactly. is all the science and engineering that went into the computer that the visual the, the visualizers are using, all of whom are artists to to do their craft. The the all the stuff that's happening on tablets now, all of the when when neon was discovered or invented as a means of lighting in colors, artists picked up on it immediately and started doing sculptures with neon bulbs, right? Exactly. Uh, 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 and so so the progress of science and engineering directly affects art. The question is, does art directly affect science? I think the actual answer to that is no. There is no scientific discovery where the person says, this is where a G chord on my uh, guitar came in. There's no, that's not, there is no such infusion. That being said, the value of art to the scientist, I don't think is any different from the value of art to anybody who knows the value of art. Mm -hmm. It is a place for you to stimulate parts of your brain that are wired differently from all the other ways your brain is wired. 
And that could possibly stimulate new synaptic possibilities in what your next thought will be. Okay? My entire PhD thesis was written to the music of the nine symphonies of Beethoven and all of his string quartets. Okay? So, I, I'm, I, me and, and Ludwig go way back on this. Okay? So, right. I'm, I, so, in that case, I'm not writing and then looking at art. I'm writing and listening to uh, artistic creativity in the regime of classical music. Um, so, science has a direct impact, whereas art may have a direct inspiration. Uh, inspirational impact, correct. Right. It's not as though Einstein played the violin and said, oh, there's a note, I'm going to put that note in the thing. That's not really what that is. I see Einstein and the violin um, not so much as an escape from his work, not so much as something that will directly plug into his work, but as a respite right. from his work. And if you have a brief respite, it lets the brain... Um, breathe. Breathe. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, metaphorically breathe so that new, or maybe literally breathe, new oxygen comes in to feed new thoughts. So I've always been a fan of art. Uh, my brother is an artist. Um, and uh, so my whole life, and he went to the High School of Music and Art, uh, just as a, well, we both native New Yorkers. I went to the Bronx High School of Science. Science. So, so we yes. both sort of were fed by these institutions in New York that knew and understand such people walk around who could benefit from this kind of stimulation. So, so yeah, so I, I got to go with Joel that it can help in, inspire you, not directly. It shows your brain a different palette mm. on which to think before you return to what you were doing before. Cool. Yeah. I like that answer. I'm, okay, well, I'm glad. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Joel, for your three daily doubles. And um, your money. <laughs> Chuck, stop being so crass. <laughs> 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 and maybe he'll get the basalt out of this. Now, some people don't know what basalt is. Basalt is just like hardened lava, lava fields, right? And so the darkened areas of the moon are basalt. We, we went over that in one of yeah. the um, explainer of videos. Explainers. We talk about making craters. But anyway, this definitely evokes um, the 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 universe and moons without actually being a representation of a moon, and that's where I like art to be. Don't be the moon. Be something that the moon evokes that makes you feel the moon. Nice. I just want a handle. No, you're just trying to get a handle. Okay. And like I've said in the Van Gogh's Starry Night, that's clearly not what he saw, but it's definitely what he felt while he was watching that night sky. And I want to, I want a piece of what artists feel, because I want to feel and see the way they do. Nice. I, I myself am not the artist, so I need their help. <laughs> we got to wrap it up there. Chuck, always oh, a pleasure. Always good to have you, man. Okay, this has been Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Fan Appreciation Edition. And as always, I bid you, for the whole Star Talk family, to keep looking up. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.